Howdy and welcome into the Wild Sports Podcast. Or, no, we're not doing. No, nope. I thought we were doing a whole episode. That's on me. <laughs> David Graff. Join alongside me, as always, it's Robert Munoz. We've got a great episode today. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. Had to take a break. CNFR took over Casper, so that that's why we couldn't get an episode out going last week. Every night spent over at the Ford Wyoming Center watching rodeo. Never could quite stay long enough for the bull riding, which was disappointing for myself but plenty of rodeo feel like i have a grasp on how they they work now which is not something i anticipated ever knowing in my life but you know did you enjoy it the did more you, enjoy you know it? the more you know of course yeah it's a great time it's a great spectator event i mean it just keeps going it's so quick there's always action going it's pretty incredible i was impressed I was impressed. So, so are you going to be uh, coming down to Cheyenne Frontier Days and working? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what that week holds for me. That's a long ways off. Got to take it day by day here. Day by day. It's it's coming up. It's uh, about a month away here. Yeah, it is. It's going it to get here before you know it. <laughs> it is. So we'll see what the future holds here. The future on this podcast, though, We've got Dalton Peterson from Encampment. He really impressed me. Just like he was an incredible guy from a small school holding his own in the Wyoming-Montana All-Star game. Obviously, Wyoming was not able to come out on top in either the boys or girls games, but he stood out from an individual standpoint. We wanted to talk to him, get to know his story a little bit more, find out what it's like to compete at encampment and he's headed to Casper college as well. So we asked him a little bit about that and what the future might hold for Dalton. So we're going to have that interview and then we're going to wrap up the podcast. I've been thinking a lot lately about adding a shot clock to the Wyoming high school basketball scene, the NFH, any, the NFHS has legalized the, the shot clock. You're allowed to have a shot clock if you so choose. It's not been mandatory, but it's certainly something that with conversations with WHSAA Commissioner Ron Laird is something that's going to be hotly debated this summer and probably going forward until they add a shot clock. So. Robert and I will have a little shot shot clock discussion to end the podcast here. But first, Robert, how are you doing today? Doing well, as always, Mr. David Graff. As always, another day in paradise, as they would say. Um, enjoying the weather. Been able to go golf in here a couple times past couple weeks, you know. Get on the course, working on my game. Maybe I could uh, get a shot at um, amateur tournament and win some money. You think you're getting that good? No, 
No, all jokes. I wish. If only, because that could be some easy dough. Isn't there an entry fee, though? So it's a little bit of a gamble. Life's a gamble. You're a gambling man. We like to place wagers. Um, life's a gamble. We are willing to take that risk. Willing to take that risk. Willing to gamble on Trey Young and the Hawks. Consistently. Uh, That's a gamble. Taking taking the Eastern Conference Finals by storm. Eastern Conference Playoffs. Trey Young. There's a new villain in the league. That's true. That's Number true. eleven in Atlanta. Yeah, Trey Young is certainly something else. Oh man, that game last night was wild, wild. Down the stretch there, did not see that coming from the Hawks. Definitely saw a choke job coming from Milwaukee though. That was a pretty easy call. Yeah, is it? Yeah, they've uh, been a couple, a lot of choke jobs in the NBA playoffs this year so far. So. Are we? Is it going to be a Hawks and a Suns finals? How random is that? Who saw that coming? If you saw that coming, you've got divine intervention at your disposal. I don't know how you saw that coming. Hawks, Suns? That's going to be incredible. That's that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to be forced I don't even think the Hawks were supposed to be... I don't even know if the Hawks were supposed to be in the playoffs. Certainly not in the Eastern Conference Finals, that's for sure. Is, is Dalton Peterson resemble a Trey Young on the court? No, he's he's a lefty. He's a lefty. I I was intrigued by it. He's a lefty. He's a tough kid. He's more like a John Collins, I guess, but like shorter. So I guess he can't really be John Collins. But he attacks the paint hard. That's what I learned at the Wyoming-Montana All-Star Basketball game about him. He, he's a warrior, dude. He's just like – he's this guy on the floor for that team in Sheridan and I guess Billings. I, I didn't see Billings, but in Sheridan, he just – he did not want to go home without a win. Unfortunately, he had to, but he, he's an impressive player. Can't wait to follow his future and can't wait for you guys to know a little bit more about Dalton. We're just going to get to that interview right away. So enjoy this interview with Encampments Dalton Peterson and a future Casper College Thunderbird. All right. We are thrilled to be joined now by Encampments Dalton Peterson. This is a guy that Robert and I learned about way, way back before the start of the high school football season this year. And we were told he could maybe run for 2,000 yards at the six-man level. Well, I first saw him play basketball a couple of weeks ago here at the Wyoming-Montana All-Star game, and he just – he jumped off the court. Dalton Peterson. Dalton, how are you doing today? Doing well. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I, uh, I'm excited to be here and excited to get to know you guys, so – well, we're really excited to have you. I mean, at that, let's go to that all-star game, that Wyoming-Montana all-star basketball game. You were one of a handful of guys here, and you guys played really well on Friday in Sheridan. I didn't see the game in Billings, but I saw the score. So 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume it wasn't as close, but I gotta know because I was sitting up there and I noticed in the second half you had something dangling out of your nose. What happened to your nose in that game? Oh yeah, so um, so I don't know. Actually, honestly, I'm not sure. I just remember coming to the running off the court to the bench, and I just got a bloody nose all of a sudden. And so like, and we didn't have any like backup jerseys or anything. So I was like, we were like scrambling to like make sure they didn't get out my jerseys. Um, and thankfully, the trainer was there, and she had a little like nose plug thing for me. So I just uh, I put that in, and it stopped it pretty quick. But uh. But yeah, it was it was pretty random, honestly. I just ran off the court and then started bleeding. So, so you didn't get hit in the nose or anything. You you just had a random bloody nose in the middle of the game. Not that I can remember. I didn't. I don't remember getting hit in the face or anything. Um, and so I think it was just yeah, kind of just random, which was really weird. But that's pretty funny. So you're one of the few guys on that team who's from. A very, like a much smaller school than most of those guys. And mm. honestly, you handled yourself well. You made great plays on both ends of the floor. You had some incredible drives to the hoop that I noticed, just fearless going to the basket on against a tall Montana team. What was that like playing for playing in the actual game for you? Um, really, it was a ton of fun. And um, I, I, you know, I kind of get it a lot um, coming from a small school where, you know, the the competition maybe isn't as, you know, isn't the talent, I guess, isn't as, a, as numerous as it is. And, you know, the all star games or, you know, like even on the, the AAU circuit um, and things like that. But um, but really, it was just a ton of fun um, getting to getting to compete against guys that, you know, push you to be better and uh, push you to be at your best. Um to make sure that, you know, you can compete with them. So. Yeah. I'm sure it was a lot of fun playing with those guys you've heard about and you didn't have an opportunity to play against throughout your high school career. Um, some of those far a guys and whatnot, but for you, when did people, when did colleges maybe start to notice you and realize that you were the real deal coming from encampment? When was that? Yeah. So it was, it was hard. I'm going to be honest. It was the recruiting process for me was pretty tough, just uh, getting my name out there. And then once my name was out there, you know, proving to college coaches that on my film, I didn't, you know, I wasn't just making these plays because I was, you know, competing at such a small school. Um, but really I would say probably, you know, going into junior year, um, end of my sophomore year was probably when I started to get, you know, real, you know, real attention and real, you know, actually conversations with college coaches. Um, and it helped that I, uh, you know, played on, played on an AAU team, um, for the past few years, um, and getting to play with some of those, those four, a guys like Jefferson and Luke from Gillette, um, played a ton of basketball, summer basketball with them. So, uh, that just really helped to getting to, uh, compete with, you know, other guys that coaches know can compete at that level. And then me playing with them helped a ton. So. You, uh, I wanted to follow up with how tough it was and you, answered that off the um off the bat uh did you i know we know you're going to casper college to play hoops did you ever consider playing football in college did you ever get any uh football offers was that ever on the table i know you guys uh, only had your senior year or your junior and your senior year right you played yep. football so yeah was, that, yep. was there ever any uh football interest thrown your way um, there was a little bit, um, Shadron kind of talked to me a little bit, um, like nothing, nothing really serious, but just kind of, you know, wanted to see where I was, um, in regards to going to play football, but really my heart has always been, you know, in basketball, just, that's kind of what I spent, 
the, all of my time doing since I, as long as I can remember. Um, and my parents were both basketball coaches. So that's kind of just been my, my sport ever since I was little and don't get me wrong. I love, I love football too. And that, uh, you know, that, that sport's a ton of fun for me too, but really, um, when it comes down to it, I think, you know, being at the college level and having to be committed as much as you do at the college level, I think basketball was probably always the, you know, sport that I wanted to play. So, so, uh, why, why Casper college? I know you probably had a select handful of schools you could have chose, uh, what Mm -hmm. stood out to you about going and playing being a Thunderbird? Yeah. So the biggest thing for me, um, with Casper was just the, uh, the competition level at Casper with the, uh, the amount of guys they bring in, whether that's division one transfers, um, you know, or high level Juco transfers or just high level guys out of high school. Um, they, they sent, you know, a ton of, I think four or five guys D one last year off their team. Um, and, you know, just getting to compete against those guys every single day at practice is going to, you know, make me that much better and hopefully help me get to my, you know, dream of playing division one basketball. And, uh, when I went on my visit there, it just felt like the right place to be. Um, there are a lot of friends and family in Casper and then the coaching staff at Casper just, you know, really, really made me feel like they wanted me there and uh, that I could make a difference for them. So. So what's going to be your favorite memory just athletically playing at a, at encampment? Um, I think it probably won't be just one, I guess, just one, you know, specific event. Um, it'll probably just be the, like the community support in general. Um, and you know, the, I remember our first, the first home football game we had in 30, 30 some years, um, just how many, how many, uh, people from the community showed up to support us, you know, and, and the majority of them were people who didn't even have kids playing anymore, or, you know, didn't even really have any real connection with the school. And so that was the, that's probably the biggest thing for me, just with the small community is no matter what the sport was, um, the amount of community support and like, uh, how everybody rallied to, uh, to support Tiger athletics. So. So how many rushing yards did you end up with this season? Patrick Schmidt talked about the idea that you may or may not run for 2000. How many did you end up with this season? Oh, shoot. Honestly, I'm not sure. I might have to, I might have to check the stats. I would think, I would think it was probably somewhere. I don't, I don't think I quite got to 2000. Um, It might, it might be a little, a little, little over a thousand somewhere around there. Um, but honestly, I'm not too sure. We had a, we had a couple kids that could, that uh, showed us they could really run the ball hard and, you know, we're hard to tackle too. So, so we spread out a lot of our carries um, between three or four of us. Um, but I, I don't think it was 2000, but it was, it was somewhere around there. But really, like I said, we had a, we had a ton of guys that could carry it this year. So. That's fair. That's fair. Like I mentioned earlier, Robert and I, really don't know a whole lot about encampment. So who, who is you guys' big rival? Who's the school that everybody in town's like, we got to beat that. We got to beat those guys. Oh, um, I remember growing up, it always used to be Saratoga just because they were, you know, they're 20 minutes away. Um, and I think there's still kind of a rivalry there. Um, but I would probably say probably Saratoga or Farson would, uh, probably be, you know, one of those two would probably be the big rivals just, um, just because it seems like, uh, you know, us three have been, been at the, uh, you know, compete against each other at the, at a high level for the past few years. And so we, uh, have seen each other a lot on the quarter on the field. Um, and so, you know, it just kind of, kind of builds that rivalry in its own right. So. 
who was it for you that you just you saw them on the other sideline or on the opposing bench and you're just like we're we're gonna go out there we're gonna we're gonna do our job tonight well i i don't know i for me it was it was kind of like that every night i guess but um probably for the most part um probably the same thing saratoga or farson um just because you know, and I have good friends from both schools. Uh, it's just we're we're all super competitive, and so and we all hate to lose and love to win. So it's it's a dogfight every time we we play. But you mentioned earlier that you love hoops. Roberts asked you a couple questions about how you're heading to Casper College. How how far do you want to take the hoops game? Uh, obviously, you're you're going to play community college, but then what do you want to do after, after Casper college playing hoops? So the, so the dream of mine has always been to play division one basketball. So hopefully after Casper, I think, uh, I think that's another reason. I think Casper is a good spot for, um, to, to help me reach that goal. Um, you know, just with the, like I said, again, with the competition they bring in and the, the, colleges they have looking at guys already and stuff like that um and so the dream is to play division one basketball but uh really just just play it as long as i can um and uh ride it as, as far as it'll take me i guess so i see that uh duke logo hanging up on your wall over there duke's duke's the duke would always be the top spot right oh yeah oh yeah no i'm a hu huge duke fan ever since i was a, a little kid it's always always been a been about duke for me so big who's, coach who's k fan Okay. Who's been your uh, favorite Duke player that uh, of all time, I guess. Probably Jason Tatum. Um, at least okay. like, as long as I can remember, um, probably, probably Jason Tatum, I guess recently, but. So are you a Celtics fan then? I do. Um, I do like the Celtics. I really don't have like a, a favorite NBA team, I guess. I just kind of like watching the, the teams compete. And I, uh, I really just like cheering for the teams that like, uh, you know, move the ball well and, play well together like the Suns are playing really well right now so I kind of kind of like cheering for them stuff like that okay. but so uh final four teams NBA playoffs um who are you going for the Suns yeah I, I hope the Suns win I uh I like Devin Booker a lot um I feel like he's super super underrated and I feel like it'd be nice for to get him and CP3 a ring so so I, I hope the Suns win it but awesome um, so I looked up your rushing statistics from last year really quick. I saw you rushed for 513 yards, but 17 touchdowns. That's a lot. Um, it's a lot of touchdowns in one season for sure on the field. Um, but I want to ask you about your basketball game. What do you think is the biggest strength of your game? Because David said, I've honestly, I've never uh, seen you play a full game. I watched um, a couple of your clips from wild preps. Uh, what what would you say is the biggest strength of your game? Maybe uh, who do you kind of carry your game after? Who do you build your game after? Uh, what would you say about your game that people don't know? Um, I would say my probably my biggest strength um, is just creating creating for my teammates, um, and whether that's uh, you know, and creating for my teammates and pl making plays, I guess. Um, and whether that's you know, it doesn't always have to be scoring, um, but getting uh, you know maybe drawing a double team or drawing a help defender to get my my teammate at open look or, you know, a, an easy layup. Um, I would say that's probably my biggest strength. And then um, really for me, um, I would say, I, you know, I, I really try to model my, you know, game after probably like a, like a Clay Thompson um, kind of just with, you know, how he 
plays on both sides of the ball. Um, but then also kind of like a, like a, a Chris Paul kind of as a, as not a, not a small guard, but a, a smaller guard. Um, and so, you know, he, ha- he has to um, be intelligent and crafty with ways to, uh, you know, be patient and uh, create for himself um, being kind of undersized playing against a bunch of those bigs um, and creating shots for himself and his teammates. So. So you're a lefty. You mentioned that your favorite Duke guy is Tatum. No love for fellow lefties, RJ Barrett or Zion Williamson. What's up with that? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a big, I, I like those guys too. Um, I guess I just kind of like Tatum because I feel like our games, uh, I guess, resemble each other a little bit more. Um, I, I wish my game resembled Zion. I just wish I could jump over everybody and dunk it all the time, but n- not quite that athletic. So <laughs> can, can you throw it down pretty good? Yeah, I got a, I got my good, my point guard dunk, I call it. So I can, you know, nice. I can, nothing crazy, but I can get the, the two hand dunk in there. So nice. At least, at least you're athletic enough for a dunk. I mean, that's right. That's right. That's true. I'm, I had to, I had to work hard to get to the there. Ground. We got chained there. to the ground. Like, <laughs> it's high off the ground for me. So I want to wrap it up. One last question here for you. Really appreciate you spending so much time with us. How do you think being a lefty has helped you on the basketball court? Um, really, it's just been a big advantage, you know, because most most people are obviously right handed. And so it's it's been nice, uh, you know, just giving me a competitive edge over, you know, most guys the first time that, you know, play me uh, don't know I'm a lefty, you know, so I can get usually a couple one or two quick, easy buckets, uh, you know, right off the bat, just with them not knowing I'm a lefty. But then the other nice part is I actually like um like right um, and throw football and everything right-handed. So, um, so that kind of was nice too to uh, really develop both hands uh, pretty, you know, pretty similar. I didn't really have to work uh, a lot harder on my left or my right uh, as like a, a offhand kind of. Um, and so that's been nice being able to, you know, go, go both ways really, really quite easy. Um, so, so that's probably the biggest strength is being able to go both ways. So. I'd have to say the best uh, high school player I've seen get to the rim was ambidextrous. He was left and right-handed. He was a switch hitter in baseball. And uh, yeah, so that has to be pretty beneficial. I mean, definitely. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's super nice. So, well, encampments finest Dalton Peterson headed to Casper college in the fall to play for the Thunderbirds on the hardwood. Really appreciate your time and really enjoyed getting to know you. Thank you, Dalton. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys taking the time and I enjoyed it. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Dalton Peterson. We certainly enjoyed getting to talk to him. It was pretty cool getting to know a kid from encampment like that. That was pretty awesome for me personally. I know Robert enjoyed talking with him. Duke, are you a Duke fan? Do you do you are you it's either like you Zion. like him or you dislike him? I like Zion. I'm not like a I don't know, man. I don't really like Duke, honestly. I like Duke better than North Carolina. Can't see really? North Carolina. How come? I just don't like Roy Williams. I just don't. Well, he's gone. Yeah, but he, he's still there. And the spirit. legacy lives on. I mean, Hubert Davis is going to carry on that Roy Williams legacy now. No doubt. And uh, just like a Coach K legacy will still be – Still yeah, be there at Cameron Indoor Stadium. John Shire. John Shire. Fun fact. My dad is so old that he was recruited by Coach K 
when Coach K was the head coach at West Point. Wow. Yeah. I think he still has the, the recruiting letter with Coach K's signature at the bottom. It's hanging in his office. That's pretty that's pretty sweet. That's old, man. That's old. <laughs> that's old. Old school. Old school. Back before there was even the idea of a shot clock or a three-point line. And now we have the three-point line, but we don't quite have a shot clock in the high school basketball game across the country yet, at least. And if NFHS has made it okay to have a shot clock, they've given all states the power to implement a shot clock if they so choose. Story that I've been working on, I've talked to Commissioner Laird a few times about the shot clock. How would it affect the game here in Wyoming? Is it something that's coming? Is it something that they think is absolutely necessary? There are a lot more factors involved with adding a shot clock than I had realized talking with Commissioner Laird. So my opinion has kind of changed a little bit based on those conversations. Robert and I have talked about it before, whether it should be implemented, but Robert, what, what are your thoughts surrounding a shot clock for high school basketball here in the state? I think absolutely. I think there should be one. Um, I remember probably uh, 10 years ago or so now, uh, there were a couple teams in the state who would just hold the ball and stall. They would just stall and stall and stall and eventually i mean they would get a decent look at the basket you can defense just caught sleeping because they're getting a little bored so i think so um what are your thoughts well commissioner laird has pointed out that it's definitely a financial cost it's something that schools are going to have to pay for to add it to the game they're going to have to pay to add the shot clock itself but then and this is where I'm a little tripped up and it's definitely I don't know if you want to add this element to high school basketball where it's already pretty contentious schools have to have somebody who runs the shot clock they're already struggling to get somebody to just do the book do the scorebook, keep follow the score, follow stats, all of those things. So then you're going to tell me that they need to add another person along the sidelines, pay them to operate a shot clock. And that's not something you can just show up and do. You can't just pull somebody out of the stands with the shot clock because there are variables in place. Shot clock resets on an offensive rebound, does it not reset? I mean, do when does the other team exactly get the ball? There are a ton more factors in play and a lot of training that I think that would go in with adding a shot clock. And Commissioner Laird pointed out that it would probably be something that they would add across the board. All, all classifications here in the state for both boys and girls. So that's, that's a lot of people that you have to get up to speed running the shot clock. 
that's kind of where I think it may bring more problems than it would present solutions. Now, you can't really rewrite the rules of basketball and legislate out what you're talking about, just killing the clock that kind of kills the spirit of the game. But will a shot clock really help? I don't know if it will actually help as much as it'll create divisions. Was that his primary concern? I don't think that was his primary concern, but it was certainly a chief concern because if you think about it, that's a, that's a lot of money to spend. Now he pointed out a lot of the schools have that have newer facilities have already put the technology in place. So it may not necessarily be a cost to them right away. You know, like he pointed out Natrona County and Kelly Walsh here in Casper, both have shot clocks. They have that already in place in all of their gyms. But like he pointed out as well, you put it in for the games, you're going to have to eventually put it in in all of the gyms that you have access to. You're going to want it at practice. You're going to practice with the shot clock. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. They're going to need it. And I, I guess I never really thought about that. So that's, that's, that's an interesting point. Um, that never really crossed my mind. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I think there does need to be a shot clock. I think, um, it'll make the games speed. It'll just make the games better. And I think, uh, these teams, like I said, I remember watching games where teams would just stall and stall and stall. And is that, uh, I mean, I guess that's a game plan, but what is what is that, you know? I've never, I haven't seen it since then. Um, have not seen it since then. And I don't think teams, I, I would say most teams, uh, they they get the ball up fairly. They run through their offense. Uh, a lot more teams are getting out in transition. A lot more athletes are coming around. So maybe it isn't necessary, but I still think that there should be a shot clock um, for Wyoming high school basketball. And even when it comes down to the final, you know, final minute of the game, especially if it's a, a big-time game. A team's going to hold the ball there for a minute. Um, I think they should be forced to shoot, get a shot off. I think the other team should have an opportunity to counter. But I, I don't know. That's, I guess, just watching and seeing too many great moments in college basketball that come because of a shot clock, I guess. I think it would certainly be beneficial in the fourth quarter. I mean, there, there's some teams that slow it way down in the fourth quarter if they have like a 15-point lead. And without a shot clock, you're pretty much done. You're cooked. Like, I don't, I don't know what the way other than a shot clock is to 
remedy that. I also think if you're truly, truly trying to give these kids a great basketball experience from a competitive standpoint, they should have that shot clock because of that fourth quarter and giving them the opportunity to pull off a comeback, the opportunity to play like they're actually in the pros. You know, when you're in high school, the biggest game is your own game. Do you think it would help the Lakers are doing? Do you think it would help prepare them for college if they were to go play college basketball? You know, I think it's it absolutely would help prepare athletes for the next level. But as Commissioner Laird has pointed out to me, that's not the chief concern for the WHSAA. Their job no, is to absolutely give, not. Their job is to give these kids a great high school basketball playing experience have them enjoy their time playing high school sports here in the state. And I think that would help. I think that it would help. It would certainly bring some anguish, but it would also, there'd be some great moments because of the shot clock, things that you may not see, you may not have seen before if there weren't a shot clock. So it's a double-edged sword, if you ask me. I'm not an administrator. I don't have a look at all of the school's books across the state. But I do think that if the schools can find a way to swing it financially, it would benefit the kids overall. I agree. And uh, I don't have much else to say about it, I guess. is You pretty much touched on everything uh interesting points from commissioner there you uh some stuff i didn't really didn't really think about at first yeah he certainly opened my eyes to all of the challenges that come with adding a shot clock i in my, i don't know why i thought it would just be as easy as putting it up there behind the basket <laughs> That's pretty short-sighted of me. (laughs) But I definitely did not realize there there are way more variables in place. I think if it were as easy as just putting it up there and rolling the ball out, it would it would have been implemented right away. Would have they would have preempted this thing from the NFHS. But I guess that's why I'm not in charge of those decisions and there are people who are looking at every possible avenue and outcome unlike robert myself here we're trying to just think of the ones that we can think of i'm just trying to think of what i'm going to eat for lunch there you go just trying to get lunch in just trying to get lunch in on this podcast well that'll do it for us on the wild sports podcast we really appreciate you guys listening Really appreciate everyone who has subscribed, shared the podcast, done everything you can to help us grow this thing. We really enjoyed doing it. We'll be back again soon, hopefully next week. Hopefully all things go according to plan. It's going to be a big week for myself. So we'll see if we can squeeze some time in, find find a good interviewee for you guys to enjoy and everything that goes along with it. If you have a few shekels that you want to spare, Can't hurt. Never hurt anybody. 
never hurt Robert nor myself. We use those funds wisely for Miller Lights on this podcast here. So really appreciate everyone who has been listening. Really appreciate Lulu for letting me know it's time to end this podcast here in the background. And shout out to Shakewell for the music. We'll talk to you next week. school.